Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. Blog Talk Radio. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Glenn Scherzinger of Scherzing Pest Control. Thanks for joining us today, Glenn. Well, thanks for having me. Good. Today, Glenn has agreed to uh, take any call-in questions that you'd like, and the call-in number today is 646-595-4916. So if you call in, we'll be able to uh, get you on the show shortly after the first commercial break. Let me tell uh, tell the folks a little bit about about you and your company, right. Glenn. Glenn's been uh, working here since he's been in the, the seventh grade, and when he when he was a freshman at uh, Xavier High School, he worked in the uh, in the ter- in the termite business as part of the crew in the summers, mixing chemicals and baits after school. Yeah, I guess uh, when uh, my father needed some uh, cheap and expensive help, I ended up working on weekends and throughout. Well, I was good after high school or after school job when I could drive and different things. But basically, I've grown up in the industry doing just about everything you do through the pest control business. I guess okay. from there, originally back years ago, we used to all have our own secret formulas and we'd mix them all up and. They were almost uh, hidden secrets, like the Coca-Cola formulation. But today, the industry is a lot different. We're regulated by EPA and manufactured a lot differently, and it's it's a it's a good change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you graduated from uh, University of Cincinnati with what kind of degree? I ended up with a business degree, marketing type mm-hmm. degree, business administration. Okay, and you got involved with a. Uh, Trade journal called Pest Control Technology. Yeah, that was uh, kind of a, it was a fun project. Um, getting out of school, you know, my father once again needed some help. Him and a couple of investors had bought this magazine. They were running it and uh, having some difficulties getting it really up and running. So I soon found myself being an ad salesman, a photographer, traveling around, uh, and that. Um, it was an interesting experience from the standpoint of coming out of college. I got a great exposure to marketing or a lot of different advertising agencies from very conservative to very radical agencies. Um, Did you work with uh, the government, EPA? Well, got involved, too, with doing interviews with uh, Russell Train and people from EPA because that, that agency had just been mandated. and. Being able to have contact with those people and report to the industry what was going to happen and what was coming forward was real exciting. Um, and I also got to see a whole different side of the industry there from the standpoint that selling distributors, working with manufacturers, I got to understand really what they had to go through to get their market or their services to uh, to the marketplace. Uh, and just... It was a whole different side that I probably would have never had the opportunity to see or have a real exposure to. Mm-hmm. So your dad was in the pest control business. Actually, my grandfather uh, started a business back in 1934, and uh, I'm the third generation. And with the uh, kids coming up, it's, there'll be fourth generations involved. Okay. And in the period of time you've been involved with the business, 
How many different uh, companies have you been associated with or owned? Well, it's been kind of nice where the pest control business was able to give us great opportunities to try other things. We um, we had a fleet maintenance fleet maintenance facility for a while. Obviously, we had a lot of trucks we needed to get them worked on um, and opened up a facility where eventually we were taking care of about 300 cars and trucks on a fairly regular maintenance. Ended up because people would get on a preventative maintenance program, we'd cut people's maintenance costs down considerably. Mm -hmm. And we were really emphatic in, in scheduling people and even having spare vehicles and that so we could switch out. And we're even doing a little bit of on-site maintenance. How many years were you in the fleet maintenance business? We, were, we did that for about 10, 12 years. It was a lot of fun. And then things moved on. We just shifted. And I guess the same way with, with the magazine, somebody came in and, Made me an offer I couldn't refuse, and uh, oh, so you sold the fleet. So we've sold it and moved on. Same way the magazine. Eventually, we sold the magazine, and that moved on. Mm -hmm. uh, you got involved with the lawn care business as well. In a turf business for probably twenty-five years, that was a very interesting and good industry to be involved with, also. But a lot of people have lawns. A lot of people have lawns, and um, and a lot of it was. Dealing with a lot of the same things you'd have even in a pest control business, still good customer service. I was working with pesticides, some of them dealing with insects and on lawns, but yet fungicide issues and other biological problems. So I relived my youth uh, biology classes and some of that stuff. Um, you know, but it just gave you a different exposure, being able to actually capitalize, too, on one customer base and build another business based on another customer base and things so we could sell multiple services to customers so we filled that need we could see there so how long ago did you leave your family business it's been about 16 years ago that i left the family business mm -hmm. and after you left the family business uh, well, I what did of, you do? I bought the assets. They, the turf business had struggled for a couple of years because even though you may have good product lines in that, sometimes our pest control business was really getting more attention in the turf business, so it didn't quite develop as well as it could. So I purchased the assets of the turf business, mm -hmm. um, revitalized it, energized it. Um, we decided to branch out doing tree and shrub care work with that. Um, eventually, in order to keep guys busy, and I hated laying good people off, we discovered Christmas mm -hmm. and started the Christmas decorating business. Um, you know, and we've done some property management and um, uh, other things along associated with it. Operated a leasing company for vehicles for not only our company but several other companies. Are you still so, doing any of that? Most of that I'm still doing. Really? Um, You're still doing the Christmas light business? Christmas light business is a great thing. It's uh, highly seasonal. Highly seasonal. We work five months out of the year on it. And I guess what helps me there the most is I got, even though it's a seasonal business and I don't have the turf company anymore, who I really used to depend on those employees to do it, uh, I got a group of people that come back every year, other landscapers I know, mowing guys, um, some people work for different golf courses. And when they get laid off or those businesses slow down, I can provide a good employment opportunity for them until they get called back in the spring, much like I used to do with my turf guys when I didn't want to lay them off. I had to find something for them to do, and Christmas was consistent. I'd be delivering fruit baskets or packages for their local delivery service. I mean, we tried a lot of different things, did lawnmower maintenance. I'd do anything to try to earn a buck and see if I could build a business off of it, and some of them were good and some of them weren't so Mm -hmm. what, what was the worst business you ever got involved with? The worst one? Eh, just probably delivering packages and trying to get those there on time and, and that. Uh, you competed with UPS? No, we, well, no, we actually didn't compete with them. We would go to the local um, delivery services, and since we have larger vans, three to one ton vans, we could take power loads of products and get them in there. And our guys were not necessarily really attuned to running those kind of stops taking care of those kind of deliveries and things. So, And it was sporadic. I mean, some days we would work five days a week, and I'd have two or three crews going and working and doing that, and then the next week we'd never do anything. So trying to switch and keep people busy, it just didn't work out real well. So in your pest control business, your thing, pest control, yes, sir. what percentage of your time is actually uh, devoted to the pest control business today, Glenn? 
Well, once again, it's going to depend on the seasonality of, of things. But sure. Right now, now we're probably, going into summer. Right now it's summer. I'm probably putting 80% of my time in on the pest control business. Um, that'll probably ship when we go to Christmas. Probably 80% of my time goes to Christmas, and uh, the other 20% goes to other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leasing kind of runs itself in that uh the property management we do and the property acquisitions, you know, those aren't done every day or things, and we hold on and maintain a lot of the properties we do now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they don't take a ton of time, but they may, like, last spring or last you know, spring I bought a purchase a building and had some people after Christmas who were still available, and it was a good thing to help. Perp timing was perfect. We were able to renovate the building, use some of those folks and their skill levels to get the job done. So you act as your own property manager, too? Uh, I try to, but sometimes it gets away, and we've reduced the size of some of our holdings a little bit over the last few years. So we don't have a on-staff manager the way we used to. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about your credentials in the uh, pest control business? Mm, I guess I've done a lot as far as industry-wide things from being on, uh, I've been with the Ohio Pest Control Association, board of directors on it, with the Kentucky Pest Control Association, kind of the same thing, worked myself up through there and was president for a couple of years of that association and turf business, same way, the Ohio Turf Association, a lot of work there. I did a lot of legislative stuff with a group called um, the Ohio Pesticide applicators uh, group and we would do a lot of um, lobbying legislative work maybe a little similar to what we did with EPA talking to some of those folks but Mm -hmm. it was more of a lobbying group watching uh, regulations that were coming down and being able to work with both EPA but more on a state level with the Ohio Department of Agriculture and that was an interesting group too because of the broad spectrum because we had right-of-way people, we had pest control people, lawn care people, uh, utility companies that do various amounts of work, and the farmers are even involved with that. Anybody that really dealt with any type of pesticide application, it was an interesting group, and I represented the, both the pest control and lawn care industry with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, In addition, you're, lo- you're associated on the board for a... Uh charter school here? Yeah, that's Cincinnati? kind of a new thing. I, I never thought, thought myself never being the world's best student in school anyway. Um, oh, yeah, I'd yeah, be fooled. Yeah. I ended up uh, being on a board of a charter school, Cincinnati uh, um, College Preparatory Academy, and that's been a great experience. It's been great to see kids really be motivated and really want to go to school and succeed and be part of that. Where is that located? Uh, there's actually two campuses. Our one campus is down on uh, in Madisonville on Bramble Avenue, right at the corner of Bramble and Homer. And then the other campus is down on Lynn Street, um, and it's it, it's a K through 12 facility. And our facility up on Bramble is actually a K through six. Okay, and that's uh, that's been fun. How'd you get involved with the the board of a uh, charter school? Well, we'll go back to one of my real estate transactions where on a kind of a crazy idea, I bought a school, one of the old Cincinnati public schools. Mm-hmm. And we were actually with a partner of mine, a friend of mine, going to turn it into like a Pendleton Square area for artists and the classrooms were going to turn into studios. And I've always been, um, my friend was a curator of the Charlie Harper uh, um, art collection so we were going to turn it into maybe two little uh, charlie harper museum but some of those things didn't work out various things either from our part not thinking out things very well or zoning issues Mm. or things and eventually the charter school bought the school and that turned out to be an okay real estate transaction and then they asked me to be on the board so i thought i could help them out a little okay uh so if you want to call in and uh ask us a question uh, our number again is 646-595-4916. We're going to take a short break and listen to uh, San LaRule number 49. Hello, this is Steve Herzog of Sandler Training. 
Today we're going to address three ego states with regard to how they apply to the salesperson, not the prospect. With regard to the salesperson, we learned in these three ego states before that there's a parent, adult, child. The parent ego state really has the place where we stored our rights, the wrongs, the do, the don'ts, the should, the shouldn'ts. Another area of the parent ego state is the nurturing parent. These are the words of encouragement and suggestions, etc., that were given to us uh, from our parents as we developed. The adult ego state, you might recall, really has to do with our computer, our processing, uh, data in, data out. Uh, the aspect of adult is really an unemotional basis of how we deal with people and certainly an area that we want to think about when we're a sales professional. Uh, the last ego state, it's a child ego state. In the child, what we are doing is really you know, addressing our feelings of how we felt about those critical parent tapes or sometimes nurturing parent tapes that we had. Uh, these are the addressing of the should and shouldn'ts and wrongs and rights and do's and don'ts and how we reacted to them as a child ego state. So what we learn in this is that the important aspect of how we work with people it's the most important area that we think of is that as a sales professional, our child must stay in the car. There's no place for a child ego state in the selling process. And therefore, we want to make sure that we remember that in the child ego state, it's good for the prospect to have it. It's an ultimately important part of them in their buying decision. Uh, it is not to be used in the sales role. This is Steve Herzog addressing Rule 49, leave your child in the car. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Glenn Scherzinger. Glenn, before we go on, I'll let everyone know that over here at Sandler, we're doing a, a series of networking works workshops on Monday mornings from uh, 8 to 10 a.m. If everyone wants to uh, get some more information about that, they can call on us, call on in to us at 513-753-9400, and uh, we can give it give them information about how they can become better networkers to grow their business. Now, back to your world, Glenn. We'll talk about the uh, SureThing Pest Control Company. If someone wants to get in touch with you, how do they do that? It's a phone call away. Phone call away. And the phone number is? It's area code 513, of course, here in Cincinnati. And then it's 247-0030. Or our website is SureThingPC.com. So easy enough. Easy enough. Okay. Now, you're doing both residential and commercial work in pest control? Primarily re our residential business is where we're geared to. Um, and in, in the niche, we fill very well. Not that we don't do some nice commercial businesses along with that, but by far we're more of a residential company versus commercial company. Right. And, and tell, tell the folks how you go to market. We do a lot of mass um, advertising, I guess, through TV, although we really try to figure out who our true demographics are and kind of tailor what TV commercials or that we're buying uh, to that demographics or that audience that we want to get to. And um, and we also do just send some just broad spectrum things like billboard advertising. Um, seems to be a, a great thing that helps us stay, keep our name out in front of people. Keeping our vehicles clean and sharp looking well, decaled helps out a lot. Mm -hmm. um, How many vehicles do you actually run? We're running about 16 vehicles right now. Rounds. Well, that's a lot of lot of lot of bugs. A lot of lot of gas. <laughs> a lot of gas. Uh, uh, the gas, not diesel. Yeah, no. Well, we're running smaller vans. We don't we don't carry like we used to tons of material. The industry is once again keeps changing to mm -hmm. more and more different. More concentrations, I guess. Um, products that we used to have to put two, three ounces, four ounces, five ounces to a gallon, we now put milliliters of product to a gallon of water when we dilute it down. So you, you're carrying less, or products today too may come in a more of a powdered form in a dissolvable in a dissolvable pack, where we'll just take that packet, drop it in, agitate it real well in the packet, and everything dissolves. So we don't even have any waste except for maybe the cardboard container or the foil packet that it came in. But we may have a hundred different doses in the foil pack before we get rid of it. Right. So there's a lot of different changes from that. Just like a lot of industries have gone away from uh back in the good old days when we used chloridane and 
We used to buy that by fifty-five gallon drum, and we'd get twenty, thirty of them in at a time, and they'd just be sitting out there in a warehouse. And now that same amount of material comes in a or a fifty-five gallon drum of material now comes in a little box with four disposable packets in it or dissolvable packets, and gives your heart failure sometimes. And the cost significance hasn't gotten smaller by any means, but it charges the same. You add the water. Yeah, you just throw in the water, add water. That hasn't changed, but the packaging and everything else sure has and the mode of operation with it. Okay, okay. So it, it just hits me that, that you might be a great prospect for Brian Wielhauser's electric trucks. Yeah, well, they would be. We would be. You know, uh, because all of your trucks are operating really uh, 25, 30 miles of your home base. Our, they are, they and, and really our guys are fortunate. We allow them to take their vehicles home, so they actually start from their house, and most of the guys live real close to the route areas too, so that keeps us a little bit more efficient. Um, we're not backtracking a lot. We can get right out to people as soon as we can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in your business, you don't have salespeople, do you? We do, um, but not being a more if you're. A more, if we were a more convert, um, industrial driven business, commercial, commercial driven business, we probably would be having a little bit more of a sales staff. But currently, it's really our technicians are doing a lot of our selling. We do a lot of sales over the phone with uh, people there. Um, so customers you, call in, they want an estimate of what it's going to cost, and we mm-hmm. give them a quote, explain the service we're going to do over the phone. So, really, those. Customer salespeople there are sales per, or those customer service people become kind of salespeople. They're not. How many people like that do you have? I have three customer service people going on all the time. Mm-hmm. And then when the phone rings the fourth or fifth time, I get to pick it up and answer. And I'm Mr. Customer Service then myself. Okay, well. But then I also, Jerry and myself, my partner, find mm-hmm. ourselves out in the field doing certain amount of inspections and things. So I'm still. Involved, I guess, every day in a little bit of sales. And we were talking about Christmas before. I do all the sales with Christmas and stuff right now. Well, you should beat me up to t- t- tell you more about the customer service program, uh, as well as the uh, the La Foundations program. We're currently running three sets of La Foundations. All right. Yeah, we have it. Ran the first one, first set today uh-huh. uh, off of Fridays and. We're going to start another uh, eight eight class size segment here in Cincinnati uh, on the 27th of June. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that, that's that's really uh, uh, customer service and take care of people, keep building a repeat business, and gets uh, customer referrals. Um, it's amazing the amount of when you say build your business. Well, it took us a while to get our name out there and get our, our service name out there and. Once we've done that, the referrals and just people knowing that our reputation is is good is helps us get those calls we need. To, you know, Sandler gave us a customer service program about a year ago. Mm-hmm. We ran it the first time. Uh, it's twelve weeks, two hours a week. Um, it's clearly not a sales program. It's a, clearly a customer service function. Mm-hmm. Uh, designed to make the customer experience better on one side and on the other side to make the life of the people on the inside of the customer service uh, long-term employees because turnover is just terribly expensive to get the right people. Um, we can talk a little bit about that. Uh, uh, you know, right now in your business, uh, what do you see the op- as the opportunities and the obstacles? The opportunities in the business right now are just are really trying to stay on the forefront and see what's coming next. Um, the perfect example is insects follow cycles much like anything else in life does. And when I started in this business years ago, our number one insect was roach control. I mean, they were all over, you know, they were our number one problem in that. And then all of a sudden, different treating techniques came along, better materials came along, and the next thing you know, roaches aren't an issue. They're not like we used to be. If anything, ants are our number one issue. 
But just even a change now where termites used to be 30% of our gross volume, mm-hmm. termite control. Today it's 8 to 10%. And the fact that the products we use today are so good at controlling termites in neighborhoods, we wipe out colonies instead of chasing them from one house to another. So in a subdivision where 20 years ago, 40 of 40 out of 50 homes would have been treated for termites. Today, probably 10 or 15 of those 50 homes will get treated for termites, so there's just not as much termite business out there. But on the other hand, now comes the resurgence of bed bugs, and, you know, it's just, once again, shifting gears, trying to see what you needed to do. And when we started getting calls on these things 8 and 10 years ago, um, you we were real surprised, but yet we could see a trend where this insect was going to really be a kind of nightmare, not only for us in some ways, but even for the customer. So and this is the insect that I have the picture on flashing on the screen every that probably 60 is. seconds. Yes, yep, yep. That's our f- favorite friend, the bed bug. The bed bug. And what is the bed bug doing? The bed, bu- he's a, the bed bug is really a, a worthless kind of creature in a way because all he does is eat and then goes back and does absolutely nothing. Kind of reminds me of a teenager that gets up off the couch, goes get something to eat, and then goes back and lounges around until he gets hungry again. I mean, other than that, a bed bug has no benefit. He's strictly a parasite uh, to us humans. And, mm-hmm. uh and it causes everybody a lot of anguish and a lot of problems. They they don't trans thank God they don't transmit any diseases or anything like that, like a mosquito or a lot of other nuisance or vector type pests do, but bed bugs can still be a traumatic experience. Uh we we have a, a rule here at Sandler that yeah. uh, we, we don't like to use words or phrases or three letter acronyms. TLAs or FLAs, four-letter acronyms that other people uh, don't understand. So, so Glenn, you said vector insects, and I don't know. Oh, vectors. Vector insects are insects that are really cause issues or spread disease. Um, a mosquito, because he spreads disease, is what's called a vector. Um, a roach can uh, spread all kinds of salmonella, food poisoning. They could also create asthma problems and other things, so he's a vector. A bed bug, on the other hand, or even a ladybug, let's say, that has no adverse effect on you or I in transmitting disease are then not considered vectors or pests where public health officials would come involved with. Hmm. In the bed bug situation, since he is not a vector and he doesn't transmit disease, Health departments really, in some ways, really don't want to deal with them. But on the other way, now that since they cause so many problems, they, people want them to be called vectors, even though they're not. Right. So I hope I explained that. Good. So a disease-related uh, insect would be a vector. Or any kind of disease-bearing organism, like a raccoon, a rat, mm. a mouse. Um, because a raccoon spreads rabies, he's a vector. Mm-hmm. Um, so any kind of animal, a mole? insect, a mole doesn't spread any kind of disease, so he's not a vector. No, I just want him out of the way. Yep, I do too. Okay, well, we're going to take a, a short break, and we'll be back with Glenn Scherzinger after uh, a few words about Sandler. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523, or check our website at 
rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth, back again with uh, Glenn Scherzinger. Glenn, uh, you're, you're willing to take some calls, aren't you? I'm willing to take some calls. Well, waiting for someone to call at 646-595-4916. Uh, Glenn, in, in your business as a uh, pest control guy, put, put on your... Your uh, your magic uh, crystal ball or crystal crystal look into the future uh, apparatus uh, and tell me what you see in the future. You know, if, if bed bugs are number one today, what's happening? Are, are they falling down? We, I I heard we were just rated as the number two bed bug city of, in America. Yeah, Cincinnati is, and it keeps being number two, three, and there are a lot of insect and bed bug problems in Cincinnati, but our industry will rise and fall a little bit, like I said a few minutes ago, based on insect problems. Weather will sometimes have an adverse effect on us. Uh, two years ago, we had a great season going when all of a sudden we got that long drought in July, August, and we didn't have any rain, I think, for almost 12 weeks. And, you know, insects didn't have any moisture to breed, and they're just like us. When it's hot and dry, they don't like moving around much or doing anything. They just kind of get through and so hence our business dropped off considerably because there just was not as much insect activity mm -hmm. what anything we did what anything competitors did and it's just like a lot of things sometimes you lose the demand for your product and you have to be able to react quickly to like with the biggest problem we had then was I had committed to some advertising could not really get it back, or you know, you're you don't know you're hurting until you're hurting, right? And right. maybe I didn't do as much purchasing on some of the chemicals, and that was a safe thing. But I still had to revive myself from the advertising dollars we spent to market. When the bugs aren't there, and no matter what I spend, nobody's going to call me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just to change the subject, maybe ninety degrees, mm -hmm. uh, Glenn. Based on your experience. Why don't you tell the folks how you think someone should select a uh, insect treatment company? Uh, I think we've all seen the ads for your company and uh, some of the others. But how should some someone who's not an expert in insect control pick a uh, control company? I would definitely talk to a couple of different companies. Um, talk to your neighbors, ask them if they've had any issues or problems with insects and get referrals from them. Uh, usually if somebody's had a good experience with somebody, they'll remember the name and refer them, whether it's us or one of the competitors, because although not all my competitors are good, as good as we are, there are one or two that are a fast second or third, and mm -hmm. there are good companies out there and, and people that in good companies that are willing to take care of a lot of Pest issues in that. So get out there, do a little research on that. And then, once again, get two or three different calls or estimates from folks. See who really can design a program or solve your program, who's maybe not going to do something that's cookie cutter all the time. Obviously, I think dealing with a local company versus a national company is keeping money closer and home here and the greater Cincinnati area and that. But yet, Good national companies and regional companies are out there, and they have uh, they can take good care of people too. But get a good go out there, 
learn a little bit about what you can on the on the insect that you're dealing with, but also be careful. There's a lot of bad information sometimes out there on the internet, and finding good websites or good information is is key too. Mm-hmm. But just do your homework. You know, we're on Angie's List, so Angie's List is a good resource for you. Better Business Bureau, you can check with them and see if anybody's got complaints, although we're not necessarily, we don't pay a fee to the Better Business Bureau, so they don't necessarily always recommend us. Cause Are you a member of the Better Business no, Bureau? No, we're not. I, we're not. Any particular reason? Um, part of it mainly is I just... I don't want to buy into something, and Angie's List has been a, a nice fit for us and mm-hmm. with all the referrals and things. And then, uh, not that I have many problems with customer issues or or that, but you know, they just we just didn't see where so I mean, Angie's List has been a it's been a, a great thing for us. Yeah. Okay. So, so you recommend that people join I, Angie's List? I think so. I think you'll find what you say there if you're not whether it's us or. A, any contractor, the only way to be on that list is be referred to and have a lot of referral letters. So, Good. Good. Uh, let me remind the folks about who's coming up uh, next week. We have uh, Martin Wilhelmy from uh, UBS who's going to be talking about uh, some of the things we ought to be thinking about in terms of financial planning. Uh, on tw- Friday the, 20, um, the 22nd, uh, we're going to have Dan Nyer, who's going to talk about uh, commercial development here in Cincinnati. That, uh, that, he'll be good talk. Dan's a good, sharp guy. Yeah, be really interesting. Uh, following week, we're going to have uh, Walter Becker. He's a business broker here in Cincinnati. He's going to be, he specializes in small businesses. So if you're thinking about buying or selling a small business, make sure you listen to Walter. I've done a little bit of that in my career. It's good. It sounded like it, yeah. And then uh, the 29th of uh, June, we're going to have uh, Rick Apuzzo from Sky Eye Weather. He's going to be talking about uh, how professional weather forecasting fits into uh, people's business plans. Uh, well, that would be interesting because when we were in the turf business, that fit into our, our business way more so than it maybe does today. But, you know, we being able to know when it was going to rain, being able to watch a storm coming in, and then we also did snow plowing and being able to have a satellite feed for snow and seeing how the snow's coming in or storms and when to bring people in and not. Yeah, when, when Rick the, was, could be a valuable asset. To he, he's a really valuable guy. He's built a pretty uh, interesting business around. Uh, he's funny as heck. Professional weather forecasting. Yeah, he's funny. He's got a great sense of humor. He does. He does. Uh, those of you who are uh, regular listeners of the show uh, might wonder what happened to the uh, Episode with uh, Jody Schmidt Gosling from Possible Worldwide. Uh, she was ill that day, and we had a substitute. And she has rescheduled for July 26th. That's Thursday, July 26th. She is uh, one of the country's largest uh, president of one of the country's largest uh, advertising agencies, Possible Worldwide. Uh, Glenn, uh, what do you think people are looking for now? Uh, when they go out and look for uh, pest control? I think they're looking for somebody that's going to solve their problem, do it efficiently, um, be fair with them, give them a good value, um, be trustworthy. Do you only do uh, insects, or do you do those other things like gophers and raccoons? We don't don't do really nuisance animal removal. It's a... um, a business that just didn't fit our model very well. Okay, so we sure did, thing pest control means insects. Insects. We do mice, rats, oh, um, okay. those type of things. But when Inside it comes, the house pests. So if it comes to like a raccoon, a squirrels, chipmunks, they just didn't fit into our marketing plans and our business model. And um, and actually there's a couple of people that, we, that do that better than we ever did. So we refer folks to them, and it works out when they run into mice and things in attics. They refer stuff to us, and we, you kind of have a certain limit on your expertise sometimes of where you can go and what you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of marketing your business, you said you purchase a lot of uh, uh, TV, probably other uh, business-to-consumer advertising, print. Don't do a lot of print. Mm-hmm. Um 
just, just TV and some of the other things have been a little better for us. Radio has not really been a great media for us. And I can understand that. Um, and neither is really print in some ways, because um, you got to be right there sometimes at the time. But I mean, they're, they're all sources that we use off and on, but they're just not our mainstay all the time. Uh, what is your internet initiative like? Our internet is still working with trying to maintain our presence as best we can through different search engine optimization. Uh, keep our website up to date so that it's informative for people. Uh, we do find that. Um, Do you have a blog? No, we don't have a blog. We have a Facebook page and that, but we don't blog. Um, How often do you post on your Facebook fan page? uh, We would, I would think, probably. Once again, it depends on what's going on in the winter time when things are a little bit more quiet. We're not posting near as much as when we run into things that start to occur now. So maybe every two or three weeks or so we may post something depending upon when we see like insects buzzing around. Uh, when carpenter bees started buzzing around earlier this spring, we blogged in or made some things with the Facebook pages and that. So no, that wait a minute. You just said an insect that I never heard of. A carpenter ant I know about. Correct. I know about bees. Mm-hmm. You said a carpenter bee? A carpenter bee is kind of a cool little insect that drills a perfect 5-H inch hole. And it usually goes into wood fences or fascia on a house, and or decks. They'll get up underneath decks, and they bore this hole. They go up into the wood a little bit of a distance, and then they tee it off, and they'll drill a couple inches each side, so they make actually a perfect tee in there. Once they get their tee made... They will lay eggs in there and seal them off, and eventually, later on in the season, you'll have five or six more carpenter bees come out. But they can really ravage a piece of wood over a period of time. Um, we find them sometimes around factory settings where there's uh, old pallets sitting out, and they'll attack them and things. Um, they're a destructive pest to an extent, but they're harmless. They'll dive bomb you. They'll chase you around. And mm-hmm. if you got the, the um, female is the only one that has a stinger, so if you can identify the male and you can be real brave. You can grab him and hold him in your hand, and people will think, God, he's the bravest guy in the world. And what does it look like? And it's a big bumblebee, basically. And when you grab that male and hold him in your hand, people, like I say, God, why didn't that bee stinging those big bumblebees? But they're really pretty harmless. Hmm. Interesting. Uh and so, so when we see a different thing coming up, we'll alert people of what's going on. Like the carpenter bees, hey, they're there. Call us. We'll take care of them. But don't go ter- get terrified. It's not an insect. It's Even though he may act aggressive, he's not going to be aggressive like a yellow jacket's nest or more certain types of wasps maybe or, or things. Yeah, so we just, when things change, you know, termite swarming season, we'll say, hey, termites are swarming. We're happy. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, well, I've, I've seen your wife walking around with a termite in her hand. Yeah, man, yeah, go infest the neighborhood. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing. Uh, hey, the more pestilence, the happier I am. So, <laughs> I can give you my worst joke if you like. Okay, we'll hear your worst joke, and then we'll go to a, a short why, commercial break. You know why my preacher and I get along so well together? We're both into pestilence. Mm. <laughs> Okay, we're going to be back in a... Good time to do a break. We're going to do a short commercial break, and we're going to give you Sandler Rule number 14. Hi, I'm Bob Sinton of Sandler Training. I'm here today to talk to you about Rule number... 14. A prospect who is listening is no prospect at all. You may have heard this before, but Dave Sandler told me a long time ago that you should follow the rule called 70-30 rule, where the client talks or the prospect talks 70% of the time and you, the salesperson, talk 30% of the time. Most salespeople I run into in my 30 years of doing this understand that. The problem with it is how do you go about doing it? Well, most if not all salespeople know their features and benefits and the, uh, the power of what their company can provide clients. Um, so it's easy for them to uh, explain their features and benefits to a client. The problem with that is it doesn't necessarily elicit responses from a client. So 
So what we have to train ourselves to do to be more successful and more professional is take your features and benefits and phrase it and structure it in such a way where it actually elicits a conversational response from your client. For example, a feature and benefit your company may, may uh, include uh, you can reduce expenses and, and save them some overhead and, and save your client some money in the uh, long term or short term. Well, a lot of people can say that. That's on your website. It's on your brochure. A more effective way is to say, hey, Ed, can I ask you a question? Uh, what we've done with companies and individuals like yourself is help save them money with some software that helps them reduce expenses, uh, get rid of waste, and adds more money to their bottom line. Uh, do you have anything like that happening here? And if so, can you tell me a little bit about it? Um, what that question does is it obviously elicits initially a yes or no response, but then it quickly goes down the tunnel of what I like calling a conversational uh, dialogue, if you will, between salesperson and client, and you find yourself talking only 30% of the time, and the client ends up talking 70% of the time, and that creates a, a more of a win-win relationship. And that's Sandler rule number 14, a prospect who is listening is no prospect at all. Mike Roth. I'm back with Glenn Scherzinger. Glenn, I'm going to ask you one of my favorite questions. Uh, in business, we've got a, a theory of operation here that says there are no such thing as simple solutions to complex problems. When you have complex problems, you have to apply a complex solution if you expect a resolution. Uh, so maybe you can think of a complex problem that you've had over there in your a long business career and experience that you came up with a unique complex solution that perhaps other people could model and use in their businesses? Well, that's a great question, but I can't think of anything that put me in that much panic mode or whatever things where we would have, I guess when, really when I left uh, my family business 16 years ago, um, I had a great staff behind me. I had a, a wonderful group of people. I had probably 60 people that I really worked well with and respected. But yet I had to leave that and almost start all over again. And I guess with that, um, just having a thought process to persevere or to make a good plan and stick to it. Um, I probably had never really worked hard on a business plan before. Uh, so I really had to work hard to do, come up with plans like that, a strategy of where we were going, put together my team again, and then really start to grow things and create opportunities not only for me but for other people. So was that the first time you had a business plan when you started would, your own thing? I would say a real detailed business plan. I don't think you can really function or operate without having some kind of long-term planning or short-term planning. And I usually carry it with me in next, right next to me here, a um, booklet or a notepad. I carry three-by-five index cards with me all the time, and I'm constantly making notes. Or I got my goals set up on those cards, and I have my short-term, long-term goals. And you have your goals on three-by-five index cards that you carry around all the time? Most of the time I have them with me, yeah. That's yeah. great. And I usually have a pad in my pocket mm -hmm. uh, and a pen that I can just grab that. If somebody asks me for something, I can jot a note down real quick. And um, you know, I used to use dictation machines and other things, but I found that writing it down. Then the cards also, too, I have index files where I have those cards filed away and a lot of times, even just talking to employees, if I'm making, uh, I'll put a note on a card and talk to Joe about what a great job he did on a particular account, or maybe I talk to Joe about the not-so-great job he could have done on those accounts, but I'll make notes and file those away in those individuals' files, and it just it just helps me stay organized and kind of keep myself going. So you don't actually throw the notes away, you keep them? A lot of them I do. I mean, I throw a lot of cards away, too. But cards are transfer notes to different cards and that. I can mm -hmm. go back and probably find goals I had 10 years ago for the lawn care business somewhere in that file when I would take them and every few months rewrite the cards and do things with them. Mm -hmm. Do you have uh, 
long-term goals? I don't know if I can say it's a long-term goal other than survival to no, an extent. A, a long-term would be over 12 months. I know I know where I want our business to be in 12 months and how I want to be growing it and where I want to be in three to five years and try to correct things where we need to be if we need to if all of a sudden we need to increase our marketing or like now even added we were running pretty lean and mean and I hated to bring another employee on because I didn't want to necessarily do overhead but there was no way that I, we were going to build our business and we were running everybody to death without bringing on some more people. So, you know, you try to run lean and mean sometimes, you so have to. So this year, 2012, you've hired one new person or two? Two people to fill new routes and new areas and things. These, these are technicians. Technicians, correct. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go to hire a technician? In tech? It's interesting that we have, we're in a fortunate position where we have people kind of searching us out, or we'll have somebody that comes in and we'll just, hold on to their application and maybe talk to them briefly and all of a sudden a couple months later we see an opportunity and see if they're still available but we're constantly out always looking for good people either within our industry or outside our industry uh, I've looked for people that have taken great care of me per se at a uh, food mart that I go to or something or someplace maybe in a little different industry or they may be a heating and cooling technician, and I like the way he seems to be doing his job. I've seen him a couple different times. You know, I'll approach him, and hey, if you're ever unhappy, I like it. Give me a call. We can talk, you know. <laughs> so you're always scouting and looking for people, so when you, you have the need, you can find it. Now, I I'm very, I might still tell you occasionally when we do Christmas, I have to advertise for people, and that's a whole different thought process. But usually with the pest control, I can plan ahead on seeing where we're going to need routes and opportunities and know and start looking ahead of time. Mm -hmm. What's the service territory that you have? Uh, pretty much we operate a, great, a greater Cincinnati up to south of Dayton. We go into downtown Dayton a little bit, but not north of there. And then we go down into Crittenton or Walton, Kentucky, I guess, about as mm -hmm. far as kind of south we go. And east... Um, I uh, should I forget the name of the little lake out through the east off of 32 we go to here. Fort, east Fork Lake? No, no, it's past there. There's a little like lake community about 20 miles off the road there. We've been out and doing some work there. And we go over to Lawrenceburg and right over to Indiana a little bit, Laurel and things. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought of expanding your company outside of the Cincinnati metro? We have, and I've pursued that, but when I made the shift, that was probably 16 years ago. That probably took a back burner, and more so than anything, because I had to reestablish myself. Mm -hmm. And then I've also had the opportunities to grow other businesses and other entities that there really wasn't a lot reason to leave or go to another town. And I don't want to travel. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good reason. I mean, years ago, I wouldn't have minded it or, or things up a branch and get all that going on and then in that infancy you're going or even trying to do acquisitions acquisitions have been tough to do the last few years and i probably in the last five years found myself in the best way of trying to do an acquisition and grow but yet there's few and hard between to really acquire and what i feel is a price that can deliver a good return for our investment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. acquisitions are uh a legitimate way to grow a business. A lot of them fail because they're improperly, uh, I'll call it researched, or due diligence wasn't Correct. proper. I couldn't agree with you more. I bought a lawn care company one time, and it was probably the worst thing I ever did. And I just didn't, I didn't relied on some thought process I had that just didn't research it as much. And as I said before, with selling a few different businesses, I've like even when I sold our turf business, I I learned a heck of a lot more on due diligence at various times with some of those sales than I did knowing going in a little bit blind. And I guess experience is the more experience you get in life, the more you learn. So let's take that as a question, Glenn. You know, based on the experience that you've had up to this pay, up to this point in time in the pest control business, because it's more than 16 years in total. Uh, what would you say to someone who's leaving the Fortune 1000 
They're taking their package money and they want to buy a business. What would you, what advice would you give them? Well, whatever business you're going to do or whatever you're going to do, you got to enjoy it and understand the industry and enjoy that what you're doing. When you quit enjoying it, it's no fun and you're never going to be successful unless you enjoy it. Um, I've always enjoyed the pest control business. It's fulfilled a need that I have for a little bit of science, a little bit of business knowledge, um, you know, a lot of different things that it can touch on in that that make it intriguing. And, you know, I've been able to do field research with chemicals. So there's a lot of things I've been able to do that's made it a, a fun industry for me. Uh, not the pest or lawn care or some of the other ones weren't. So that would be number one, whatever business you're thinking of buying. Make they get a fun business. What would be number two? Knowing that you can put the time to make it succeed. Um, I see so many people think that I'm only going to work 40 hours a week, or I'm going to get a manager in here and they're going to run it for me and that. And you've been uh, running your your business now, sure thing, for how many years? I've been doing the sure thing and my partner here for about 16 years. 16 years. So, uh, on an average work week. How many hours do you and your partner each put in? Uh, I would say we average 50 hours a week easily, uh, if not a little more, a little less. Some weeks are more than others. You know, obviously our off-season, November, December, we're not putting in as much on the bug business, although we're thinking more than we're doing our planning and some strategic things at that point of year. So we're maybe not putting the hours in, but we're still doing a lot of things with it. Yeah, I, at this I, time of year, we might even... I think Jerry and I both have been out on weekends because uh, it's the only time we can get appointments with people. And just like anything, if you're going to be in sales or you're going to take care of people, there are times where you got to do things you don't want to do. No, you got to be out there when they want. They when want. they want you. So. Mm-hmm. so, it's been my experience that when people start up a business. It's not unusual to put in fifty to seventy hours a week. In the beginning years, were you putting in more than the 50? I would think that I probably, when I made the transfer over, you're right, I probably was putting in way more than what uh, I am today. Um, I have to think back on how many soccer games I missed or how many lacrosse games I missed back then. But, you know, you do, you miss those kind of things, you know. I missed a lot of those games because I wanted to get out of the office at 4 and the calls kept coming in or something didn't need to get done and, I, you just can't walk away from it when when your name's on the door. You need, your people are dependent on you, and whether you own it or not, if you're going to work for somebody, you need to really be able to sometimes say, "I got to give out that little extra effort to help get the job done and grow this business," or we may not be employed next week. I think that's one of the secrets of uh, owning your own business. You have to put that extra effort in. That lots of times we don't see uh, employees. Well, and I've been blessed, too, that I've had great people around me and good employees. We don't have a lot of turnover, it's sure thing, and that's a wonderful thing. Well, that's great. Uh, any last comments before we uh, we have to go? Well, it's been a great discussion. I enjoyed talking with you about our business and my little bit of a career and things, and it's always fun. I think entrepreneurship and trying to build things, and right now I think we're in a real positive business environment. You just got to make it and look for what's good and, and make it work and find the good things in it. Good. Uh, Glenn, I want to thank you for coming on the show. and well, Mike, thank you. For being a guest. our guest. I'm going to give you one of our Sandler Insight books, uh, which has become number one on Amazon.com. Uh, Great. Thanks. Well, thanks, Glenn. Thanks for being on. Scott, take it away. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at rothconsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.